So welcome to the True Addiction Podcast, guys. This is Danny, aka D-Man. And this is a show dedicated to uncensored tales from addicts. And we'll hear from people who struggled with addiction and those who have been affected by addiction in their lives. So join us each week as we explore the different stages of addiction, the stigma surrounding it, and the challenges of recovery. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, from wherever in the world you're listening, and welcome to the True Addiction Podcast. And in this podcast, podcast, we discuss uncensored tales of addiction, and we get to hear from people who have struggled with addiction, um, how they hit rock bottom, and the challenges they face currently in their newfound life and trying to stay clean. So... In today's episode, we are fortunate again to have another lady. Um, I'm quite impressed by the amount of ladies who are coming in, uh, considering the stigma in society when it comes to addiction. I will let her introduce herself. We're very honored to have her in studio today. Karibu. Asante sana. Maybe your name and um, a little bit about yourself. Um, thank you first and foremost for having me on this platform. I'm truly grateful. My name is Caroline Kagia. I am a certified addictions therapist. I am a speaker. I'm an author, having recently authored my first book called Still I Rise. I am also a recovery coach. Okay. I am the founder of Caroline Kagia Wellness Initiative. All right. This is an initiative that um, is primarily geared to assisting those struggling with alcoholism and substance abuse related issues. Yeah. My focus is primarily towards women because like you said, there is that stigma attached to alcoholism, substance use, and the woman, especially in Africa. Yeah. It is compared to the stigma that was there for HIV and AIDS in the 90s. Mm -hmm. So this is a topic that is just coming out of the works, what do you call it, from the whatever, <laughs> right now. Yeah. And I'm also in recovery, having struggled with alcohol and uh, okay. cigarette addiction for 20 years. 20 years. 20 solid years. Yeah. That's quite the journey. And... I'm honored to have you here today, and we'll we'll dive into that. But before we get into that, um, just a quick question. What did you do last night? What do you do every evening to unwind? <laughs> what do I do every evening? Yeah. Well, for starters, um, I have two children. I have an 18-year-old right. and an 8-year-old. My 8-year-old and her five cats. Five cats? The mother and four kittens. Wow. Keep me busy. <laughs> Insane, somewhat. So basically, apart from that, my evenings are really chilled out. Um, I just unwind. I don't know. Can mm -hmm. I smell what something nice? Sleep. All right. Yeah. Pray. And I'm off to bed. All right. Fantastic. My days of kurukaruka. Away gone. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. So let's dive into that. Maybe, you know, when we, when we look at al alcoholism, because that's what we are talking about today, uh, there is, we know that there are stages of it. So maybe... Give us an introduction to, you know, when you first discovered alcohol, what age this was. Maybe we could start there. I'll start from the top. First and foremost, I am the first born in a family of five. Yeah. And I come from a Christian family. Okay. <clears throat> um, my parents were elders in one of the mainstream Pentecostal churches for the longest time. So basically, I've grown up in church. Mm. Um, in Christian circles, we say I, gave, I got saved when I was 10 years old. And, um, you know, for me, it was Jesus all the way until he comes back in the yeah. second coming. Mm. 
So being the firstborn, my parents were very, I think for anybody who is a firstborn and they grew up in my times, considering I'm in my 40s, though I don't look it, <laughs> our parents were very conservative. Yeah. And uh, considering I come from a Christian family, everything had to be put in alignment. So I've grown up, I grew up with a perfectionist of a mom. Okay. And everything, my God, was straight, yeah. narrow, in yeah. in every way. So I, I never had any inclination towards drugs or alcohol. Yeah. Um, despite the fact that before my parents became Christians, they used yeah. to drink. My dad used to stock um liquor in the house. And my mom used to have her ciders in the fridge. So yeah. they would have this thing called chamas, yeah. where the women come and all of a sudden after one hour, two hours, you're hearing people are so happy mm. and you're not getting what is going on. The house was quiet, but all of a sudden they're like parrots in the house. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I couldn't get it. But and for my dad, I'd never seen my dad drinking. I never saw my mom drinking. I've only seen my dad smoking in photos. He okay. never did it in person. Mm. So until 1990, and then that's when the alcohol disappeared from the house. But I remember on Sundays after church, my dad would take us out to some place in Karen for yeah. lunch. Mm. And this place in Karen had a bar area. Yes. And from the age of 12, I was very pecu- I was very interested in... What happens in that place? It was darkly, dimly lit. Mm. And I would always pass through there for whatever reason as I pretend I'm going to the washroom. Just yes. pass by and come back. But mm. there was nothing over tea I want to taste or whatever. Yes. When I was in uh, Form 2, yeah. Form 2 is normally the make or break for most people. Either mm. you become saved or you become a rebel. <laughs> so for me, I gave my life to Christ now officially and I say, I'll yes. never touch alcohol, I'll never smoke, I'll never have sex. Ah, yeah. You know, (laughs) I said I'm going to get married at 24, a virgin. I'm 43 now and I'm still single. No pun intended. Such is life. (laughs) (laughs) Never married, but I'm not complaining. So, um, in Form 2, you know, I I make these, you know, decisions and I'm like, okay, that's great. Mm. Then, um, high school, I went to Limuru Girls School and I did really well. Then, after that, I was privileged to do my Form 5 and 6 at a local well, an international school, but in Nairobi. And that is where, for me, the culture shock began. Because for the first time, mm-hmm. I was seeing African girls smoking. The only time I'd seen girls smoking was on TV, and they were not African. Mm-hmm. So for me to come face to face with this reality was yeah, a shock. A shock yeah. And then I'm seeing even my lecturers mm-hmm. and my classmates, they smoke together. They have this, what we call, smoke breaks. And for me, that was also another shock. Shock, yes. Also, I should mention that growing up, I had self-esteem issues. So I used to keep to myself a lot. I was a loner for most of my uh, younger years. And until today, I prefer to do a lot of things on my own. Mm. I've grown up that way. Yeah. But in my class, there was this girl who really wanted to become my friend. And I couldn't understand why. This girl was very beautiful. Yeah. Growing up in school, I'd been told, you're not beautiful. Mm. This girl was popular. Me, for sure, I knew I was not popular. Yeah. And uh, she was a smoker. But we quickly became friends and she introduced me to my first cigarette. Okay. Yeah. So she was smoking a different brand and whatever she introduced me to, I didn't like it. So I moved to menthol. And I smoked menthol cigarettes for 19 years of my life. And then she discovers Carrie is also a virgin. She's never slept with anybody. So she gives me a dare. (laughs) Because she knew there was a boy I liked in a certain school summer. She told me, you know what? And I'd been seeing this guy for a year. Uh She told me, if you sleep with this guy... I'll bring you a bottle of wine. When you say seeing him, were you, you meaning it you were was dating? P- we were just dating, but there was yeah. nothing. You know, it, it had not reached that. Um, it, we had not crossed the border. 
you were still a good girl. I was a good girl. Yeah. You know, it was just, we are nice friends. Come yes. on. Mm. Now, with self-esteem issues comes the aspect of people pleasing. Yes. People yes. who suffer yes. from low self-esteem really try to be people pleasers. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. So now because I wanted to fit in with her crowd, I was like, okay, that's fine. And remember in Form 2, I'd made my vows. My vows were clear, but I'd already broken the first one. I'm a smoker now. Now I'm about to cross the border. You're not going to get to 24. Aye, that 24 looks a bit elusive. <laughs> when I used yeah. to read these books when we were in high school, these romantic novels. Yeah. And I think every girl, I think even some boys, unfortunately, read those things. And they romanticize the whole aspect of, you know, whatever, yes. sex and everything. And it makes you feel like you're going to reach heaven and come down. Uh, wow. It's yeah. A wow, wow you know, moment. that aha. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I call up this guy and first he's in shock. And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah. Then he's like, okay. Wait, you made the move. Yeah. <laughs> Allah. You know, people yeah. pleasing is so bad. Yeah. It's terrible. So which guy would say no? This guy's like, Allah. Okay. So he organized one, two, three things. He comes from an affluent family. So he was able to pull a few strings in Westlands and Saturday came. Yeah. <clears throat> now me, I'm prepared, armed for what is ahead. Mm. After all, I'm going to get my alcohol on Monday. So we go and do the deed. You guys, man, there was nothing to write home about. You are disappointed. Oh, we, that's an understatement. <laughs> but it had happened, it had happened. So yeah. at least I know on Monday I'll get my wine. So I go home. Now I've broken my second vow. One more to go. Yeah. So Monday I go to school and I tell this girl what has happened. And this chick was so excited. You could think she's the one who was in the room with that guy. Mm. And she tells me, okay, now that that has happened, I'll keep my promise and bring for you booze tomorrow. By this time, had you touched booze? Never. Never. So Never. this was going to be your first. This was going to be my first. I had okay. seen it at home. I'd seen it in the bar. Mm. But I'd never touched it. Even my dad's Johnny Walkers, I'd never touched them. And how old were you? By this time, I was 19. You're 19, okay. Yeah. Mm. So Tuesday comes and my friend brings for me my 250 ml. Quarter. Yeah, Kanuzu. 12% red wine. Okay. And she tells me, now, yeah. you remember you told me you have your own bedroom. You make sure when everyone has gone to bed, you sit on your bed, open the window, because alcohol has a smell. Yeah. Okay? And make sure you're seated properly, just in case. Here I'm vibrating. I am vibrating because I know who my mother is. Because once she found me with money in my diary, I couldn't explain where it came from, and I was beaten. The, what we call kichapo chaumboa. Mm. Beaten well, well. Now I'm imagining, if this same mom of mine catches me with alcohol in the bag, for goodness sake, but again, yeah. that has entered through one year and left through the other. Remember, yes. people pleasing low self-esteem go mm, together. Mm, mm, I'm not even thinking of the consequences whereby, what if I drink this thing and the following day I'm unable to wake up and go to school? Yeah. It's not there. Mm. Me, all I know is I'm going to drink this thing and then I'll give a report tomorrow. Mm. <sighs> self-esteem issues, man. So I go home. I'm yeah. vibrating. I've done my homework, done my chores. Everyone has gone to sleep. Uh, now it's Carol. Mothers have this thing of being the last ones <clears throat> in the house to lock the doors for whatever reason. Yeah. My dad has gone to bed, but my mother is still roaming around the house. Mm-hmm. When she's gone to bed, I, because my bedroom and their bedroom was, were directly opposite, I made sure I've locked my door three times. Open, close, open, close, just in case something happens. I remember my friend's words, sit on your bed, open the window, because alcohol has a smell. I did exactly that. This is close to midnight. Tomorrow is a school day. I've taken the first sip. I hated it. I took the second one. I'm feeling nothing. 
Then I remember my, my immediate follower, my brother once told me, because this guy started drinking at the age of 16. Yeah. And he used to drink hard liquor. Those days they used to sell the Suchets. those to Sachets. Yeah. And he tells me, Karo, one day because you're going to start drinking, if you want to get high, make sure you take a gulp and then you bend over. Then it goes direct and gives you a head rush. Ah, who am I? Mm. I took the gulp, did exactly that. Bend over, stand up, nothing. I'm like, Allah. In short, I finished the whole 250 ml. Yeah. No tipsy, nothing, no tingly feeling, nothing. I was so disappointed, I put the bottle back in my bag, went to bed. In the morning, I woke up as sober as a judge. Was taken to school. Then I'm asking this girl, what is that that you gave me? She asks me why. I told her, I didn't get high. She says that you didn't get her. I told her, yeah. Then she tells me, then, Carol, you have a problem. Little did I know that those words would follow me for the next 20 years of my life. I didn't drink again in Form 5, but I became a very serious chain smoker within six months. Nicotine addiction is very strong. Yeah. So within six months, I was doing up to one packet of cigarettes. Now, for me, it was so bad that even chewing gum was not helping. So what I would do, I would mm. spray my mouth with perfume. So let me ask, um, so do you... Do you think you had developed an addiction for cigarettes or were you doing it just to please people? No. For me, I think it was a genuine addiction. It reached okay. a point, if you're hearing, I would spray my mouth with perfume. That's yeah. how bad it was. Okay. My brother and I, we were truants for the longest time together. Mm. We, we would do a lot of those bad things together. We had cows at home and my dad would buy hay. So we noticed, or rather my brother noticed, there was a shamba boy who would put hay in a paper, yeah. light up and smoke. So now when we couldn't steal those two coins at home, mm. my brother now uh, taught me how to do this thing. So unfortunately, you know that thing, it goes directly to your, to your, to your throat and yeah. you cough like crazy. Yeah. So unfortunately, the day I decided to try what my brother was telling me to do. That's the same time my mother was driving in. Okay? Yeah. We feared my mother as in fear, whereby mm. you're numb. We are seeing her car driving in as we are busy with our, with our hair in the mouth. Yeah. So instead of switching them off, we put them in the pocket. As we ran towards her, unconsciously, now we are running towards her. The car has checked in. Mm. She's checked out. She's seeing her car, Her kids are lighting up. And she's wondering, what is that in your pocket, you people? What is it? So without knowing, you've removed it from your pocket. And she realizes we're trying to smoke. We were beaten, 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 beaten. But that did not stop. Because nicotine addiction is so quick and it's so intense, especially for women. It catches women faster than it gets to men. So you're basically saying you guys were trying to smoke hay. Yes. We had seen the Shamba boy doing it. He rolled it in a paper, but you see him, he was a professional, as were amateurs. So but it wasn't just hay. He must have been mixing it with something. I don't know. You don't know. I wouldn't know. We were kids. So it continued like that. So yeah. the next time I touched alcohol was in Form 6. This time with my new boyfriend, my boyfriend and my best friend. And um, in our family, we could not go out, you know, at night. Of course. So yes. I think I cheated my parents. I was going for a youth something or a yes. Kesha yes, somewhere. Yes. Then we found ourselves in Westlands. I can relate. And uh, my best friend tells me, remember last year I brought, I brought for you uh, alcohol and you didn't get high. Let's mm -hmm. see what happens today. In those days, there was a cider, a canned cider. So she bought the first one. Boyfriend bought the second one. Me, I never had money. Remember, I've gone for Kesha. Me only have offering. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now offering cannot even buy 10 cigarettes. Yeah. So he took the first one, second one, third one, fourth one, fifth one, sixth one is what took me out. Because I remember trying to go to the washroom and I landed <coughs> on the floor. And the next thing I remember is finding myself in their home, now my best friend's home in Kikuyu. And um, 
I was sweating, I was nauseated, I was everything terrible. I didn't know that is what is called hangover, stroke, withdrawal, stroke, everything. Was this the same day? No, that now in the morning, the following day is Sunday. So you have not gone home? Gone home how? 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 Exactly. Yeah. I don't even have a cell phone, there were no cell phones. Mm. Hmm? And I remember telling myself, I will never touch alcohol again. Never, never, never. Yeah. I got home, I even repented. But we are told never say never. Mm. Because what you negate has a way of coming back to you. In January the following year, I was privileged to leave the country. I was just... Before we even got to that. Yeah. So when you get home, mm -hmm. did you have permission to, to sleep out? I'm just trying to imagine how you, 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 you escaped this one. I can't even remember what I said. <laughs> I probably locked myself in my room and said I was tired from the Kesha or something. But I remember I was sick, sick, mm. sick, sick. Okay. The following year, January, I yeah. was privileged to leave the country. I was supposed to do a degree in advertising, multimedia, and broadcasting. I was to do two years in Eastern Asia, two years in Australia. Okay. I was not leaving the country because my parents were wealthy, but rather they had done a harambe. Harambe's were those ones where you call people together to fundraise. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Now this was being done for me as the firstborn to pave way for the others, the mm -hmm. other four behind me. Yeah. But immediately I got to Kuala Lumpur, I knew. It's Malaysia, yeah. I knew mm -hmm. I was not going to stay. For whatever reason, I just felt it in my spirit. Mm. <laughs> if I can use that word, I was not going to stay. Mm. And true to my word, in the first two months, yeah. I made a lot of friends. And I found there are a lot of Kenyans there also. Yeah. My mm. best friend was a Malay, and she introduced me to the club scene mm. of Kuala Lumpur. The club scene of Kuala Lumpur is lit. It's amazing. Mm. It's crazy. And now, Allah, I used to go to class Monday to Friday. Then all of a sudden... I'm going to class Monday to Thursday because Friday I went out. Yeah. You know, then I started cutting classes slowly, 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 slowly. Mm -hmm. And my lecturers would complain. And so whenever my lecturers would bring it up, I would make sure I go to class and catch up because I'm very, God has blessed me, I'm quite bright. Mm -hmm. But at some point, you know when you start drinking too much? Yeah. Automatically, you stop even going to classes with a hangover. There's not, you're in a foreign country and the dialect is just beyond you. and It's entering through one year and enter, leaving through the other. So I started cutting classes, and so my lecturers would email back home. And that is when now cell phones had just checked in, and I had one, I was privileged to get one. So what my parents would do, they would send me an email and tell me they're going to call me at a particular time. So by that time when they're calling, I'm sober. Mm -hmm. So they call me and they ask, what is this your lecturers are telling us? I'm like, maybe people are not understanding each other, you know, the communication barrier. Mm -hmm. And my dad would buy it for some time. Yeah. Immediately we hung up. I ran to the 7-Eleven, buy my booze. By this time, mind mm -hmm. you, I had moved from uh, brown bottles. In addiction, there's something we call tolerance. Yes. Tolerance is whereby if you are drinking two beers, mm -hmm. now they are not hitting home. So you must chase yes. with something called a chaser, which is normally hard liquor, mm -hmm. yeah, tequila or a vodka or something. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was beer and chasers. Then I saw the beers and the chasers are not working. Why don't I just move to hard liquor One once and for all? Mm -hmm. And I forgot about beers and I said, Allah, this is what I've been looking for. Yeah. What have I been wasting my time on? Okay. Yeah. It's also in Malaysia that I discovered marijuana. And I smoked marijuana for about two months. But like we say on Facebook, it's complicated. We parted ways amicably. So now I'm doing hard liquor and two packets of cigarettes a day. That two packets of cigarettes? Yes. Those are 40 sticks a right. day. Mm. But their cigarettes are lighter than ours. So okay. It was easy to pass. And uh, it continued like that. It continued like that. I made new affiliations in different states in Nilai. I'm sorry, in Malaysia, in a state called Nilai. And my housemates were very worried about me. In Malaysia, as a student, you can't live on your own. 
It's very yeah. expensive. Mm. So my housemates started complaining. They were like, Carol, you're partying too much. And the reason they were complaining is because they had hard stories. Carol has been involved in a car accident. Carol was almost raped. Carol was almost, Carol was almost. Well, were any of these stories true? Yes, okay. they were true. Mm. And they were like, and for me, now the parting, it kept getting worse and worse and worse. And one time one of my housemates told me, Carol, if you go to Nilai this weekend, I promise you, when you come back, you won't find us. Please note, I've only been in Malaysia for 11 months. I'm supposed to be there for two years. Mm. Then I go to Australia. Yeah. I went out that weekend. I thought these guys were joking. When I came back, I found the house was empty. And I found a note written, Carol, we will not watch you die. Now I'm left with two options. Either I become a bum on the streets in Kuala Lumpur, or I become one of you know loose morals, or I come back home. I chose the third option, to come back home. So I sent an email and I said I want to come back home because I think I'm going to die in Malaysia. Were you still studying? By this time, I had dropped out. You had dropped out. Yeah. Okay. It was too much. I, I mean, I was so way behind in my classes. It was impossible. Maybe we, as, as, we are, as we are moving into that third option you took, um, maybe let's, let's let the audience hear about some of the experiences you had because um, we, we know the gruesomeness, you know, me and you share in this recovery story. We know the gruesomeness that alcoholism comes with and the addiction and some of the events that happen even without you even being involved, you find out it happened. Like I've had you mention accidents, rape. Maybe shed, shed some light on one or two of them. Um, if you remember. You know, that's another no, thing. I do remember. That's <laughs> yeah. the interesting thing. Yeah. But I was never, it was always almost near rape. Okay. And I, I always say this, I attest my not being raped to the prayers of my parents. Because my parents were very prayerful. And every time I would go out, I would go out in trousers. I never went out in skirts for whatever reason. Mm. So anytime I would find someone has tried, any, I've blacked out in the toilet. Imagine blacking out in a toilet, in a club. Yeah. And I would find somebody on top of me and they're trying to unzip me. And all of a sudden, I just... In, shrug them off. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And it happened more than once. Okay. Twice, thrice. Car accidents. Yeah. My best friend and my best friend and I were involved in two car accidents. Mm. The second one, the car was almost a write-off, but I came out without a scratch. She was hospitalized. Mm. I came out without a scratch, and that is the accident that made my housemates realize this chick uh, is on the road on the highway too. She's about to go. She's about to go. Yeah. And so they decided mm. they would rather leave me yeah. before they come and hear Cairo has chipped. Yes, uh, she's yes, died. Yes, 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 so yes. now mm. uh, my parents didn't have money. They had to borrow money from one of our relatives. For you to come back. For me to come back, imagine. Mm. Yeah. And when I came back, my parents almost couldn't recognize me at the airport. In fact, they almost passed me. I'm the one who had to stop them. Because the Cairo who went is not the Cairo who came back. The Cairo who went was fat and round. Yeah. The Cairo who came back was thin and dark. Why? Mm. If you notice a lot of people who take hard liquor, yeah. they don't eat, or rather they don't eat well. Yes. You're eating strange, strange to things. And then, you know, the by the time you start darkening your melanin, it's because the insides are already, they're already beginning to shut down slowly mm. and you don't yeah. even know it. Yeah. Mm. So that ride from JKIA to Ngong was one of the longest rides of my life. Those days, there was no bypass. So it's the way, one way only. The car is silent completely. It's my mother, my father, my last born brother. The only thing I brought of value from Malaysia, mm. apart from the clothes that I had brought from Chinatown, was some DVDs, CDs, they were called CDs those days, yeah. that my small brother had asked me for, because he wanted to do animation. That time he was only in class four. He wanted to become an animator in life. Mm. And we shrugged it off. But do you know, he used those things for so many years, until um, March this year, 
he was actually nominated for the Oscars because of those yeah. things. And the guy is 35, he turned 35 this last last week. You know, he was nominated Amazing. for the Oscars. Amazing. And at least whenever he talks about it, he mentions Carol. Yeah. So at least that was one good thing. Something I did. good from Something that. Something good. Yeah, from Malaysia. Yeah. <laughs> so we drive all the way to Ngong. Nobody's talking when we yeah. reach Ngong. Now my mother, Mrs. Kagia's mouth opens. Finally. And she's like, wow. And she, you know, in mother tongue, some of these things are normally hard eh? when you're being lectured in mother tongue. So she was so angry. And she says, you know what? You've embarrassed us. What do we tell people? You know, all that. Now what you're going to do, you're going to stay home, take care of the cows. Let us look for money to educate the others. But my dad was quick to cool her down and I went back to school. What was your relationship with your dad? Wow. We've been friends forever. Mm. Forever. So you were close to yeah. daddy. Yeah. Okay. Even despite the mess. So... You, you, these self-esteem issues, you think they arise, arose because of how you and mommy were? I think it was the lack of affirmation growing up. Yeah. Every kid needs that. Important. Yeah. I think for me it was the lack of affirmation, the lack of emotional attachment Yeah, with my mom, which I've carried for a long time. Mm. And that, that unfortunately affects a lot of people along the way. Dear, yeah, dear, it's called the mother wound. Yes. Dear, yeah. dear audience, parents listening, uh, affirmation is very, very, very important. Mm -hmm. Please affirm your children. Yeah. All right. So moving on, you were told to take care of cows. But now I go back to school <laughs> and now I stop drinking yeah. and I get saved again. And okay. I joined the choir of our church. Um, I was in Sitam Choir for the longest time because I sing and I play okay. the piano. Mm. And the only thing I'm struggling with now is cigarettes. Yes. So I'm smoking in, you know, I go to choir, mm -hmm. lift my hands, then somewhere in the shamba, I look for my SM, yes. <laughs> and I smoke. And you smoke, yeah. And I was very good. I did a double diploma for three years, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. for three years, and I did very well. And I never touched alcohol. But in the last semester of my third year, something just told me, Karo, why don't you become a boarder? This time I was in Kenya Institute of Mass Communication. Mm -hmm. And because my parents had earned their trust, my folks were like, okay, you become a Buddha. And I became a Buddha. Unfortunately, reformed. Yes, I had reformed. Unfortunately, my roommates were all drunkards. Mm -hmm. You know, we finished class on Friday. Mm -hmm. They come shower, uh, take a matatu to Kenya Cinema. There was a club called Dodi's. Yes. They go to Dodi's. Then mm -hmm. upstairs, there's a place called Zanzibar. So that was their plan every Friday. Every then Friday. Saturday, when they come hangover, they tell them, you guys, see mwokoke, okoko keni. I have a Bible on my bed, Buona. Mm -hmm. And when they come, they are so hangover. They are calling me everything you can think of. Yeah. Until one Friday, I asked myself, surely, Carol, how long will this continue? Why don't you just go out and drink Fanta Kubwa? I mean, you're just going to see. <laughs> <laughs> so I tell these girls, why don't we go to Kenya Cinema? Oh, the lies. They were like, ah, are you serious? I said, yes, I'll even pay for cab. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, let's shower, we go. Shower, Kenya Cinema. I've forgotten that I'm not even supposed to be in Kenya. The reason I'm in Kenya is yeah. because of my madness of Malaysia. Yes. Entered a cab, went to Dodi's, sat down. Guys, I've ordered their drinks, me, I've ordered my <laughs> Fanta Cuba. The, the barman is looking at me, Ukasawa. I said, yes. The first one, finished. The second one. I'm on the second one. People are getting happy. Me, mine, I'm just getting gas and going to the washroom. Mm. So I don't finish the second one. Then I asked myself, how many sodas can you can drink? Can you drink, yeah. Mm. As I was asking for the Fanta Cadogo, yes. I told my friend, she put for me a little bit of your nini here. She was like, are you sure? I said, yes. That opened Pandora's box. In Bus. short, mm. we started Friday Dodis. We found our way upstairs to fourth floor, Zanzibar. 
Yeah. Where we met a lot of West Africans who are very excited to see young college girls who mm. can afford to buy their own drinks. Mm. And then they decided to start buying. In short, we left Kenya Cinema on Sunday when people are going to church. So now we slept in Kenya Cinema Friday. Saturday we woke up, we were being told, raise your legs so that we wash. Like that. We were behaving like men because that's how men behave. They yeah. black out in the club. We went to South B on Sunday. Yeah. I have never been so depressed. That was the first time I had what we call suicidal ideation. I couldn't believe what I'd done. The choir lady has been looking for me on phone. My parents have been looking for me on phone. But Carol was out dancing, getting alcohol. She has forgotten the madness of Kuala Lumpur. Yeah. I was so depressed. I didn't even know. The, that week I was, I was unable to really be functional in class. So come weekend, I go home, I give my story, my parents' stories I, about my phone and, and I, all that, yes. you know. And that's how the lies begin. Yeah. And it continued like that until towards the end of um, my third year is when I conceived my son. And that's a story. That's another different story. But anyway, I conceived my son. and yeah. um, mm. But I did very well. Mm. And after my son was born, four months into his, his being on earth, I was privileged to get my first job in a media house. Okay. I worked for what is called now the top media house in Kenya mm. in sales. I was in sales for about 16 years of my life. All right. And now with predictable income and with a drinking problem that I don't know I have, yes. it became worse. Now, when that media house was beginning, they used to do a lot of road shows for marketing and advertising purposes. Mm. So I was part of that. Yeah. So every weekend I would have a reason not to be home. And I remember I have a small baby at home. And actually, in hindsight, my son was basically raised by our third born, my third born, my other sister. Yeah. So she raised him from the time he was 19. I was so irresponsible mm. as a result of my drinking habits and patterns. Yeah. So it continued like that. And then one Friday when after work, I forgot that I need to go home because mm. we went out partying with yeah. people from the office. Mm -hmm. Saturday, Sunday, it hit me. I'm still partying. Mm -hmm. Do you know I disappeared from the office for 21 days? Even from home, nobody knows where I am. Even the office, they don't know where I am. Three weeks later, it hits me. I've not gone to work. I've not seen my child. What? Yes. My phone has been off. Nobody knows where I am. So... I, I send a, a text to HR. I switch on my phone. The messages are too many. So yeah. I just sent a message to HR quickly, quickly, before other people start calling, telling her, I'm sorry, I've been away for about three weeks. My son has not been well. She replies very instantly and says, oh, I'm sorry, take care of your son. You can come back to work when he's well. I switch off my phone. That same day, my parents went to that media house. Where is Carol? What do you mean, where is Carol? We've not seen her. But she said she's at home with her son. Which son? She's not seen her son for three weeks. That is the only job where I was fired by SMS. I was terminated by SMS. Where were you for these three weeks? I was staying in some house in Sijui. God. With some people, just people. You know, if you've been in addiction, you know, you, yeah. you can live with anything or anyone. Nothing intimate. It's just drinking and smoking. It's a vicious cycle. You know, it's, the next it's, drink, the next it's drink. dirty. It's mm. pathetic. And you know you're not changing clothes. Mm. And if you're buying clothes, you're buying those ones for 20 bob, 30 bob. Yeah. You know, it doesn't fit your lifestyle like that. But God was gracious to me because two weeks later, I got a job with an international media house. So we're, now we're, we're still on just alcohol. Alcohol, cigarettes. Alcohol, cigarettes. The marijuana was just a phase. It was a phase of two months and it and passed. It passed. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now I'm working with an international media house. Yeah. That's how God worked in my life. Now I'm regional manager East Africa. After two weeks. After two weeks. I had not applied for that job. 
it was a referral. The brilliance of addicts. You know, even the Bible says, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I always tell people, go to rehabs. Who do you find in rehabs? Doctors, lawyers, professors, engineers. You don't find mediocre people, but yeah. people of substance. You see, absolutely, the top cream. Absolutely, absolutely. So now, I'm regional manager in East Africa. I'm in and out of South Africa. Johannesburg was like my living room. Mm. My salary has tripled. My relationship with my parents is now formed because now Carol is earning some money, taking care of her son. Well, there was no attachment between my son and I because I was never there yeah. anyway. Mm. Now I've officially moved out of home. I've moved on to Thika Road, worst place of all. <laughs> my God. <laughs> eh? Hey. Thika Road. Wow. Mm. Now my salary, I'm the one to say. My commissions are because I'm a salesperson. I can sell anything. I can sell even you and you'll go. You know? <laughs> so? Yeah. I mean, on Fridays, I'm calling, there are these clubs on Standard Street mm. that have now been con converted into restaurants. Yeah. I became like furniture in them. So what would happen on Friday? I call the barman. I say, reserve two tables. We are coming. This is Carol and her group. Remember people pleasing from way back? Yeah. It has, now, in fact, it has intensified. Mm. Huh? Now, the drinking has continued. It has escalated. But nobody thinks there's a problem. Even I don't think there's a problem. The first person to notice I had a problem was my dad back in 2007. Mm. And what made him realize is because my son got sick, he was admitted at Gertrude's. I was called, I was in a bar. There was a bar called Tanija in Standard Street. I was yeah. called mm. and I was told, come, to, come from wherever you are. Your son is sick. Mm. So I took a cab, I went to Gertrude's. And I'm being told to administer him medicine. And I couldn't because my hand was shaking. Shake, and so. my dad was just seated somewhere and was he watching was observing, me. Eh? Mm, he's not saying anything, he's just looking at me. He said, it's okay now in mother tongue, you go back to where you came from, we will continue from he here. He covered you. <laughs> but he wrote me such a long message and he told yeah. me, Carol, you have a problem. You yeah. have a drinking problem mm. and you need help. This is in 2007. Yeah. But because I was earning so much money, my ego was from here to I don't know where. I'm like, I can stop if I want to. Yet to be honest, the times I had tried to stop, the withdrawals would be so bad. I, Yanni, I would have to look for a reason to tell HR I can't make it in the morning because I need to go and have to a lock. That's how bad it was. So for me, if I'm to be asked if I had a drinking problem, mine was from the beginning. From the first time I touched alcohol at the age of 19, my tolerance was already sky high. I was never what you call a social drinker or an experimental drinker. Me, I was, a, I was an alcoholic from the word go. Then again, there's also that aspect of genetic predisposition in yes, our family. Yes. Mm -hmm. It is there on both sides of the family. So unfortunately, mm -hmm. it caught up with me. So it continued like that. And the highlight of my addiction came in 2016. This is after moving from job to job to job to job. I would quit jobs. I was never fired. I'll just, okay. just wake up one morning and decide, ah, Salo has checked in. That's it. And I move on. Mm. And God was gracious. I'm telling you, I never missed getting a job mm. somehow. Yeah. But in 2016, I said, this is the last job. I'm never going to be employed again. Mm. And true to my word, I've never been employed again. Okay. 2016, I was also in a very toxic relationship with the father of my daughter. It was so toxic that uh, police and police, Gong police and uh, current hospital have my records. That's how toxic it was. So we had to part ways. And now here I am with a six-month-old girl. I am jobless. Now this is your... Is My like last born. Your last born. Yes, we have two. <laughs> last born. She's the last born. Okay. Yeah. So now I, uh, at least we're privileged. My dad is a developer, so he had given us a home. So yeah. we're living in a three-bedroom home, own compound, very nice. So now I've broken up with this guy. Now I am on my own with my two kids. No predictable income. Mm. I am an alcoholic. In my head, I knew, and in my heart, I knew. 
I can no longer afford these high-end brands. I had already started moving slowly downwards to the yeah. cheap brands. Those ones you buy when you're hiding on your way out. And you're even telling them, Mama, to fungate nicely in the paper. Yeah, or, so, or a newspaper. Or, uh, and, you, yeah. and now imagine for a female how yeah, bad it looks. Bad. Let me so, ask, you, just, you've not mentioned, did you have any friends through all this consistency, you know, like a friend? When I was working, yeah. yes. But these friends, mm. are they also noticed, I think, that there was a problem. Because they will tell me, Carol, you drink so fast. Mm. I didn't think drinking fast was a problem. So I'd get offended every time I was told that. So what I would do when I knew we are meeting, I would show up one hour before. So you do your thing. I spice it up. By the yeah. time they come, they are trying to catch up. Yeah. Yeah. But along the way, I lost friends. Why? Mm. I was always borrowing money here and there. When I borrow, I don't repay. Don't return, yeah. You see? Mm. So that way, naturally, you lose friends. Mm. And then you start, even your circle of friends ends up becoming, you know, lower grade, for lack of a better word. Of eh? course. Of you course. know, you keep yes. going downwards, downwards. Yes. Towards the end, I became a closet drinker. Mm. And closet drinking is even more dangerous mm. than drinking with friends. Closet drinking, you know, you're drinking in your house. You know, ah, even if I black out, the bed is there. You know where everything is. And for me, that's how it became. Because I was drinking such cheap things, it was ridiculous. In the house. In the house. Yeah. You know. Mm. All, we were living in Matasia. All the wines and spirits in Matasia knew my name and knew my daughter's name. Why? I would carry her in, my, in her carrier bag and we go. So they knew her name. Sometimes I would go, you know, as a salesperson, you're, you learn the art of manipulation. Yes. Negotiation. Yes, name yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. So I would go and cry and cry and cry. And considering people knew who my, my dad is, and that he was a, a big shot for, you know, for lack of a better word, mm -hmm. in Matasia. Yeah. I would go and say, eh, you know, just uh, let, uh, let me uh, borrow this, loan me this uh, alcohol, mm -hmm. I'll pay back to you. Or sometimes I tell them, Akiwacha Nikuja, let me come and sit inside here. Yeah. I'm so hungry, I need you guys to feed me. Imagine one chick one time felt so sorry for me. She said, okay, you just sit inside here, let me cook for you some eggs and ugali, I'll be back, sit here with your baby. Who is Cairo? I had a bag. And here's my baby in the carrier bag. Mm. So there's alcohol in between me and the baby mm. in the carrier bag and in my bag, stolen. Okay? Yeah. So those are like six quarters that have disappeared. I've eaten my ugali and my eggs and have disappeared. And that was it. So that is the kind of a life I was living. Very dirty, very dirty. Mm. Now, I also used to con people a lot because alcoholics really know how to con. Yeah, manipulative. Manipulative. So if you call me, I'll send you a please call me. If you call me, You'd, I tell you I need a thousand bob. My baby has no food. I'll cry and you'll send. Scum. By that time, that a thousand bob, I've already thought of those quarters, my cigarettes. My baby will eat a Witabix of 25 bob. Me a little gali or motura. There's this thing for gali. I mean, uh, boiled eggs. Eggs. With pili-pili. Yes. Eh? And mm. motura, the one for the side yes. road, like that. That's it. And that was it. Mm. And my life would continue like that. And it became so bad. And people started realizing. Unfortunately, I always feel a bit resentful when I think that many people suffer from addiction and people don't even tell them. You know, like me, I knew there were people who could see that I was struggling, but not really many people really wanted to find out what was going on with me. So I continued with the lies until I realized, alas, I can no longer be able to con anybody. So what did I start doing? I started selling things in my house. How was your body faring on at that time? I was so thin. I had to wear two pairs of jeans. To make me look like I had clothes. Showering, of course. Of course. Showering is a problem. Yes. In my book, I write me, I hated showering. But if my shower was made of vodka, mm. I would shower, shower. anytime. Yeah. Mm. You see? My mirrors, I had covered all my mirrors in my house. I couldn't look at myself because I was feeling ugly. I felt ugly and I knew I was ugly. 
I was a lesser version of who I was supposed to be. Yeah. I had gone to very high-end schools. Mm. And funny enough, anytime I would go to town or I would switch on the TV, I would see one of my classmates. Yes. You know? And it's like God was showing me something. Mm. And that would even make it worse. worse. Yes. So instead of making me want to become proactive, I would become reactive yeah. and look for more money to go and buy those cheap to things. Suppress. You know, mm. to numb those feelings. But yes. when you wake up in the morning, it's even worse. It's a reality. You yeah. see? Mm. So now, one time when I was working in Matasia with my daughter, I discovered this Shylock. Yeah. And uh, I take up his number and we become friends. And as we speak, he's one of my biggest fans on Facebook today. Mm. So the first thing to go in my house was my fridge. He came, he took it for 4,000. That 4,000 made me vibrate. I was like, ah, Jesus. I took my kids. I'm shocked you even still had a fridge up to this point. I did. I had not been selling anything. I was a con woman, you forget. Oh, okay, you are now exhausted. Yeah, yeah, now I'm exhausted. Okay. <laughs> I know who else. Yeah. Even family didn't want my stories. My dad knew I was sick. Yeah. He was just waiting for me to say. Mm. Now fridge has gone for 4,000. I was so excited I took my kids to the hub. <sighs> Next thing to go was my gas cooker. My gas cooker I bought for 60K, it went for 4K. Mm. I replaced it with these small green stoves, the kerosene ones. Can you so imagine? You're saying you took your kids to the hub? Yeah. That was just to console yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to make them feel mommy is still around. Uh, yes. And you know, kids are innocent. Mm. It went on like that. My son's mountain bike, my baby's bed. You know, yes. um, mm. then my seven-seater went for 5K. Okay? Plus the carpet together. My neighbor, one of my neighbors who had the guts to talk to me, asked me, Carol, what's going on? I told her, I'm moving to Dubai. That's why I'm selling things. So now, here I am in a house, a beautiful stone house. There are no seats. There's no carpet. There's no fridge. There's... Then this Aaron guy, my Shylock, yes. one day he calls me and says, where are you? I tell him, I'm at home. He says, I'm coming. So he comes with a 750ml vodka. And now we are seated on the floor mm. because after all, I've sold everything to this dude. Yes. Then he asks me, Carol, why do you drink so much? And I ask him, how can you ask me that? And you brought me booze. So we drink and he goes. On his way out, he tells me, and Caro, in Kiswahili, Milango Zako ni poa. And he goes. That entered from one year and it left through the other. I never thought about it. Until several days later, I remembered Aaron. Caro, Milango Zako ni poa. Sent him a please call me. The guy came. I told him, open up all these doors. All, 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 all. They were made of MDF board, very strong board. He called another guy. They came. They took a few hours removing Gosh. those doors. That's it. You would you like to know for how much? How much? Five hundred shillings. Gosh. In total. You must have had a very bad. Uh, in total. For all. I said in total, not per door. In total. Hey. <laughs> we are getting to that rock bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For me, that is where the rock bottom began. So this guy, hey, I can imagine. You, you must have really needed a drink. That's why I'm thinking for 500 shillings. Me, I had reached a point of... Now I, I understand mm. why people pick cigarette butts on the road and light and smoke. Me, imagine I'd reached there. You don't know who smoked that, that thing. But the, the addiction But is, the urge is so it's, crazy. It's crazy, yeah. Me, I'd even looked for how I can get into my neighbor's house and steal something. Imagine, me who is seated here now. That's how demeaning... Addiction, Addiction is. is. So, wow. So let's talk about now um, the transition. When did you finally, when when did you have an awakening? How did you get help? Um, when Initially, I thought it was after I went to rehab the first time. Okay. Then later I realized that was not it. Because I went to rehab because there was nothing else. 
I told everything. I had debts from here to I don't know so where. So you told you told your parents. You I told my dad, dad. I want help. I told him take this me anywhere. Your mom has given up. She has washed her hands. Oh, she's washed her hands. Yeah. She, no, knows, she knows you're possessed. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Now I told yeah. my dad. I told him take me even to Garissa. Take him. Yeah. Take me anywhere. What I wanted was to get out of that space. And yeah. actually, my brother told me, "Do you know Karo? You had not hit rock bottom. If someone had offered you a job at that time, you'd have taken it." Yes. Which is true. Mm. 2019 I relapsed. Okay. And this was after a period of being sober, you know, between 2017 and 2019 doors opened for me in the media. I moved from what is called Wamonyota to a celeb yeah. almost overnight. Mm-hmm. Nobody prepared me for that, mm-hmm. you know? Nobody prepared me for the limelight. So when the relapse came, and this was just as I was about to go to the US, I'd been yeah. invited to go and speak in the US, then the relapse happened. And for me it caught me off guard also. I don't even remember how I walked from my house to the liquor store to buy vodka. The first person to notice was my son and my son was so shocked. He called my dad. And I think the reason my da- my son was shocked is because we used to fight. My son was so scared of me he would sleep with a knife under his bed. Because we would fight. I would fight him. Now this guy is 18. Even if I was to relapse I can't try. This guy would finish me. Mm, he has seen it all. Huh? He has seen it all. There is yeah. nothing I can show Michael that he has not seen. So he called my dad and my dad was shocked and now this time i entered the first time i entered rehab voluntarily mm. the second time i entered rehab involuntarily yeah. i was supposed to do a 12 month program mm. it's a christian based program mm. i said no i did three months and for me that was it i said this was my wake up call this is what i needed for me to see how my kids now were suffering now i'm seeing from a different point of view this is two years later mm. i'm like my son is not doing well in school my daughter is not eating because of me yeah. i need to work on me come rain come sunshine and that is how i started this initiative caroline kagia wellness initiative mm. to help those people who are struggling particularly females yeah because women we are still hiding in this thing especially women from church me i've seen it because i'm a church girl yeah the people who are suffering most are people in the church yes you see because they are hiding behind that facade of uh, church there's an image there's an image to, yet even when jesus thing. himself came jesus came for who yes. the pharisees yes. for the lost he didn't mm. come for the perfect for the prostitute yeah he came from the prostitute and the tax collectors and yes. all that yes. but there's this image in church that is really making a lot of people suffer and die slowly. Mm-hmm. I went to a girls school sometime last year and I discovered girls are even soaking tampons in vodka and they wear and they go to class. What? Yes. That's, that's another level. Yes. And now these kids are high in class. You're not smelling of alcohol, but you're high. Your teacher can see you're high, but they don't know what it is. So what these kids are doing when they are going to boarding school, you know the way the parents buy jeek and juices and whatever. Mm-hmm. You pour out the content and you buy expensive vodka because expensive vodka doesn't smell. Mm. So you put it there and you go with it to cl- to school. At night after preps, you're busy. Yeah. If you want to wear a tampon so that you're high the whole day, yeah. you soak and wear mm-hmm. and life continues. You see? So that is where we are as a nation today. Okay. How is your relationship now with mommy? Oh, now we are good friends. <laughs> now we laugh, now we talk. At least now we laugh. And it's not laughing uh, 50-50. It's laughing now for real we laugh. Because my mom says I, she she thinks I'm the one who has kept her young because of all the journeys I've taken her through. Yeah. My parents have gone through a lot. But I thank God I'm a product of grace. Yeah. Uh, amen. Now let me ask. So what 
tell what do you do what coping mechanisms do you have in this new life or how, how many years are you sober now uh, since 2019 is what 3 years three no years. 9 10 11 12 4 almost 4 four. Four years yeah congratulations Thank uh, you. so what other things have you developed to replace uh, you know the addiction what else do you do um, because uh, at most like for me me exercise is my thing oh, wow. exercise and um, i'm pursuing other things what other habits have you developed or what what are you more involved in right now like now i'm i'm involved in a lot of church things okay i moved to a new church about a year ago so mm. i'm really involved in that i also do a lot of writing and speaking okay in schools in corporate right. institutions uh-huh. that keeps me busy i love it and okay. my daughter also keeps me busy that's another thing that's another story for another day but you know so what, i'm happier that way you're happier yeah what 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 advice do you have for somebody who is listening and they feel like they have wasted so much time with their children, you know, maybe their child is 20 years old and this parent has been in addiction this whole time and they don't know where to start. They don't even know if it's possible to to make amends with their children. What advice do you have especially for the ladies out there who are in this predicament that they have lost a lot through addiction and they don't know if they can make it? make up for it. You know we are told there's something called the serenity prayer. Yeah, we're told, we were told the prayer goes like God grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change, the things I cannot change and the difference to know the difference, the, the courage to know the difference. The things you cannot change are what you have already done. Mm. You've lost 20, 30, 40 years of your life. Yeah. It's done. It's water under the bridge. What can you do with what you have now? That is where to start from. So come to that f- reality. Come first. to the reality that yes, this is Karo. I am Karo. I messed up. Twenty mm. good years of my life yeah. were, were wasted. But do you know when I look at it, I don't see it as a waste. Imagine if I was told to go back, I would still go back the same journey. Yeah. I think I was meant to do that for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was meant to walk that journey because through my story, my story is not big. There are people with huge stories, but me, I've had the privilege of sharing mine almost around this world. Mm-hmm. and i've seen people's lives changed mm-hmm. so what you need to do is accept i messed up yeah like me i've beaten up myself for so long about mm-hmm. the fact that i had two miscarriages as okay. a result of alcoholism mm-hmm. two miscarriages back to back as a result of alcoholism that is something that i've had to forgive myself every other day mm-hmm. but you know what the longer you keep beating yourself up the lo- you know you're getting older by the way we're not growing younger yeah. you'll beat up yourself until when until you're 50 until you're 60 until you you die or what you have to pick yourself on it Deal it is me mm. for me i used to make excuses oh it's because i had a poor relationship with my mother that yeah. i became because i was uh, almost sexually assaulted as a child there's always a reason external you not, know you're not dealing with internal. deal with internal yes. leave those external forces yes. god will deal with them yes. deal, deal with, with you, you. Mm. that is the first step towards maturity yeah. first step towards sobriety yeah. from there take it a step at a time there is free therapy people like me we we charge and we don't charge small mm. but we charge yeah. but there are people who can give you free therapy imagine yeah. there is no shame There's no shame in saying you're struggling with alcoholism. There's no shame in strugg- saying you're struggling with addiction. And for mothers, me have a problem with mothers or female caregivers who hide their daughters at it because they'll be the laughing stock in town. Who told you? Yeah. Said who? Especially people in church. At if I say my daughter is a drunkard, they'll say I was a bad mother. Says who? Stand by your child. Stand by your child and get your child help. Yes. There are so many stories I could give but time does not allow. Mm. 
But the sooner we start speaking about this thing, especially as women, I'm glad that there are women who are coming onto this platform. This thing is bigger than we think. Yeah. We are the caregivers. We are the child bearers. Mm -hmm. What will happen Absolutely. to children who will be born from mothers who continue drinking because they are not listening to voices such as mine? You give birth to children who have a condition called fetal alcohol syndrome distress, yeah. where a child looks like they suffer from something called Down syndrome. Mm. And these kids never mature to be full adults. They'll grow, yes, mm. but there are things about their, their, their biology that is just not 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So it's time people came out and spoke about this thing. Openly. Openly, openly, without shame. The way we speak about cancer, diabetes, HIV, and AIDS, mm. we talk about alcoholism, especially amongst women. Yes. We speak it openly. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned you have a book. Maybe yes. you want to. Yes, I have a book. It's called Still yeah. Arise. It's uh, my journey, in short, about my struggle with alcoholism. Yeah. Yeah. How can the it audience... retails for a thousand bob? Yeah. You can get it. I, I have still not put it on Amazon. I'm those people. Mm -hmm. So I have the hard copy, which is retailing for a thousand shillings. Okay. Uh, deliveries are done within uh, the CBD. Mm -hmm. For those in the diaspora, they they can reach out to me via email. Yeah. And then I'll we can discuss from there. We can discuss from there. If yeah. anybody, because I'm sure there are many ladies who would want to reach out to you um, for encouragement. Maybe some have loved ones stuck in the same journey. How can they get in touch with you? Um, my email address is carolinekagiawellness mm. at gmail.com. Right. My social media platforms, I'm active on Facebook as Caroline Kagia mm. or Caroline Kagia Wellness Initiative. And my mobile number, Monday to Friday, 8 to 5, is 0797-759-386. I also do corporate talks. Yes. I, I speak in schools, yes. I speak in churches, mm -hmm. and I do one-on-ones as well. Wonderful. Thank you. You discovered your purpose. Yes, this. finally, through this, I have no regrets. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so, so, so much, Caroline, for Thank being vulnerable with us on the True Addiction Podcast. I'm sure many of our listeners are inspired mm -hmm. by your story. And maybe someday we'll have you on again to advise on more things. I would love it. Matters addiction, matters alcoholism. That would be great. Thank you again. Thank you. All right. So thanks for joining us on this episode of True Addiction. If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, we hope this podcast will provide you with the hope. For more information about this week's guest, please check out the show notes. Mm -hmm.